As I was praying about this morning, I read over on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24 where, you know, these two men are walking and this is after Jesus has died on the cross and he's been resurrected from the dead, but the men don't know it yet. And they're walking down the street and they're talking about what's happened and suddenly Jesus is walking with them. And he says, what are you guys talking about? And they begin to tell him and, 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 he, and he said, what, what happened? And they said, are you a stranger? Are you the only foreigner in the land that you don't know about Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified and we thought that he was going to be the Messiah? But in verse 45, it says that Jesus opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. This is my prayer for this morning, that God would open our understanding that we would comprehend his scriptures, what he is saying, the holy word of God. So put your hands on your heart. I just wanna pray for you. Father, we ask that, Lord, that you would open our understanding and enlighten us to your word. Father, we pray for ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say amen. I want to talk to you. This is, I felt so compelled. I was praying this last week, and the, the Lord just woke me up in the middle of the night, and he dumped an entire message on Monday uh, to me, and I just went, whoa. And he said, this is what I want you to speak on this Sunday. I want you to begin to talk about the Holy Spirit. The third, the, I, don't, I, I don't like calling him the third person of the Godhead, but he is a significant member of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And so my, my hope for you is that you really glean some understanding and some more clarity. Because how many of you know, revelation is not something necessarily new. It's brighter light shined on the word that he already brought. Amen? Because if I'm giving you different stuff, I'm adding to. But in Genesis chapter 1, we see all three of the Godhead present. Oftentimes when we think about the Holy Spirit, we think about Acts chapter 2. We think about uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you know, where the Holy Spirit is talked about a lot. And oftentimes when we think of him in that light, it's hard, we miss him in the Old Testament because the Holy Spirit was all the way back at the very beginning. See, time began when Adam and Eve sinned. So now, then suddenly there's a... There's a uh, there's an expiration date. Suddenly the clock is ticking, right? And that wasn't, that wasn't God's fault. That was Adam and Eve who started that. So, so God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they have always existed. So let's, let's see if we can find him here in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Look at verse 1. It says, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and was void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Notice the Spirit of God. This is the Holy Spirit. He's hovering over the waters, and then God said, verse 3, let there be light, and there was light. Light came on. Now, turn over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And <clears throat> the interesting thing about Genesis' account, the Genesis account, is that I think, it's, I think it's easy to see where God is in that moment and where the Holy Spirit is. But what about the third part of the Trinity? What about Jesus? Where was he? in those three verses that I just read in Genesis chapter one. 
So in John chapter one, notice that John patterns the way he begins his book exactly after Genesis. He begins with the same three words. He says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was God and the word, I'm sorry, the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. Hold on, let me get on the same page with my other. I wasn't even anywhere close. Okay, and then verse 14. He said this, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who was the word that became flesh? Jesus. Jesus. All right, now go back to Genesis 1. Genesis chapter 1. And let's read that again in the light of the fact that Jesus was the word made flesh. In the beginning, verse 1. God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the who? The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, the Holy Spirit, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. This was the, one of the best ways that I've heard um, the Godhead described, as far as functions, roles, um, parts that they play in the kingdom. God the Father is the one that gives the command. Let's say that he gives the command to turn the light switch on. God the Father gives the command. Jesus goes over to the wall and flips the switch. The Holy Spirit is the generator, the one that causes the power to come on. He's the power. Does that make sense? So, so in light of that, it says that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters and God said, let there be light. Who was Jesus in John 1? He was the word that became flesh, right? He was the word that was sent and God said, Jesus was the word that was sent forth. You remember Isaiah chapter um, 55 verse 11? It says, it says this, it says that so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Jesus was the sent one. He came to earth. He was the, are you seeing this? So God gives the command. Jesus is the action, the word, and the Holy Spirit is the power. Does that give you give you a good way to say that. Listen to what the Faith Life Study Bible had to say about John chapter 1 verse 1. They said this, in, the ma in making this connection, John states that Jesus existed prior to the first acts of creation. God's son isn't the act of creation, but the means of it. Now let's verify that even more. Go over to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be in a lot of one chapters today. Colossians 1. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That's after 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Don't ask me to do the song. Nicole can. She can do the song. Did you know that in the early church, this, was so, this is so interesting. I learned this the other day. In the early church, the, the I don't know if I should tell you this because you'll hold me accountable for it. Um, the, but the responsibility the, um, uh, in the early days, pastors, to be a pastor, 
You had to memorize the first four gospels. All four. Had to be able to quote them by heart. And every day you had to quote all 150 songs, psalms by memory. I'm, I got some catching up to do. So verse 15. Verse 15, look at what it says in, in verse 15. He, this is talking about Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created. By him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So how was it created through him? He was the word that was sent. Jesus was the firstborn over all creation. That means he was exalted above all creation. Now, Hebrews chapter one. Let's go over there. Just turn to your right. Hebrews chapter one. And look at verse one and two. It says this, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers and by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us, how? By his son, who he, uh, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the world. So creation, God made the worlds again through Jesus. I know I'm spending some time on Jesus, but I'm coming to the Holy Spirit. But I felt like, I felt like he was, wasn't very easy to see in creation. But yet, he was there. In fact, uh, so in fact, let, let me take you over to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, excuse me. I want to gross everybody out. All right. Proverbs chapter 8. And look at what, look at what Solomon has to say by the Spirit of God. You know that the men that wrote the Bible, they wrote it by the Spirit of God, right? It's not corrupted. It's not, you, you can't find fault in it. In, in fact, while I'm, while I'm there, can I share these things with you? This is very important because there's three words that we need to use to describe the Bible. One is that it's inspired by God, meaning it's God-breathed. His breath and his life is in it. Secondly, this is the second most important thing for Christians. When you look at the word of God, the Bible is inerrant, meaning it's without error. It's not possible for it to be in error. The last thing is that it's infallible. It cannot fail. His word always accomplishes what it was sent to do. So where am I? Okay, Proverbs chapter eight. Look at, sorry, this wasn't in my notes. Look at verse 27. Proverbs eight, verse 27. Look at what it says about Jesus. This is, this is who he's talking about. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the crowds above, when he strengthened the fountain of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters uh, would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, when I was beside him as a master craftsman, 
And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. Jesus was there. Ha! Ah, yeah. Even though, even though sometimes we can't see it, he was there. There are so many other scriptures that verify Jesus and Holy Spirit at the creation and before. It's important that we understand that. Because sometimes we get this idea that the Holy Spirit is a brand new idea. And, you know, and that's, that's where cessationists come from. Cessationists believe that what happened in Acts 2, what happened in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 ended there. But I want to challenge that. I want to challenge that thinking if that's where you're at. Because I'm a continuationist. I believe that it continued with us. Amen. All right. So let's look at the Holy Spirit. So, so we understand, I just want to make sure you understand that he's a distinct member of the Godhead. Yes. That he is very important and he has a specific role. So let's look at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. I want to give you some scriptures and I'm going to go through these pretty quick. So I may not ask you to turn there. So in Genesis 41, Pharaoh looked at Joseph and he said, where else can we find a man in whom dwells the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And then in, uh, in Exodus 31, this is one of my favorite. There was two artists that God said, I want them to build the tabernacle. It was Bezalel and Aholiab. And he said, because I have filled them with my spirit. Oh, thank God for artists who are filled with the spirit. Thank God for musicians who are filled with the spirit of God. Those are the kind of musicians I want leading me in worship. How about you? I don't want people that are not filled with the Spirit leading worship. Talent is not enough. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is the important thing. That's where the anointing flows. That's where the power, that's where their anointing was so that they could build the tabernacle the way it needed to be built. In 1 Samuel 11, Spirit came upon King Saul. You remember when he came upon King Saul and he prophesied. Suddenly he's doing things that he couldn't do before. Why? Because the power of the Spirit of God was upon him. In 2 Corinthians 15, and, or Chronicles 15 and 24, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God was, came upon Azariah. He came upon Zechariah. In uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel sees a vision from God by the Spirit of God. It gave him the ability to see this dream. Daniel chapter five, what about Daniel? The king says, I, I want someone to interpret my dream. And they come and they say, tell us your dream, O king. And the king says, I'm not gonna tell you my dream. You tell me my dream and then I'll know that you can interpret it. That changes the game. I think that's a good way to do that. You know, you know for sure that they know what they're talking about. And so nobody could do it. But what happened? Daniel. The Spirit of God showed him the dream. And not only showed him the dream, gave him the interpretation, the definition of it. And so then Nebuchadnezzar says in chapter 5, he says, where, where else can I find a man in whom the Spirit of God dwells? Oh, I don't know about you, but I want the Spirit of God to dwell in me. All right, Matthew 3. Notice that Jesus didn't do any miracles until when he was baptized and the Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove. He needed the Holy Spirit. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do you need the Holy Spirit? 
Look at your neighbor and say, you need the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, you need the Holy Spirit. All right. So Jesus, here's the good news. Here's the good news. Jesus promises, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send him to you. So who is this Holy Spirit? Who is he? What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? What does he do? I'm glad you asked. Turn over to John chapter 14. We're going to spend some time in John. How many of you are determined to get something out of this regardless of how I bring it to you? That's okay. Thank you. The rest of you, I'm praying for you that God will make it real to you. In John chapter 14, look at verse 15. Jesus says this. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. We were talking about this yesterday. This is a side note. This isn't my message, but we were talking about this yesterday, that that you, we're supposed to have fruit in our life. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. It's really easy to tell if someone, you know, is who they say they are. You just inspect the fruit. Is the fruit there? And so Jesus says this, this is the fruit of loving me. It's obeying my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. This is a part of the reason that the helper came was to help us obey commandments, to help empower us to be able to obey God's commandments. And I will pray to the Father, he will send you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So here's the good news is that he has sent the Holy Spirit not to just stay with you for a little while, to dwell with you forever. See, when Jesus comes back in the second coming, the Holy Spirit's going to be with him. They are the perfect, the Godhead is the perfect example of what unity is supposed to look like. We're a body. You have the Godhead made up of three parts. We're the body of Christ made up of many parts, but we're one body. We're one, we're supposed to be one church. Vision Church is one church, but it's made up of many people. Everybody contributes. Everybody brings their gift, their, their part, and we need that. We need that in the body of Christ. So he will abide with you forever, and he will dwell with you, but he will be in you. That's a little closer than just being with you. When, uh, when Dan Moeller came, Dan was the one that led Todd White to the Lord. When he came and he spoke, we were driving down the street. And he looked over to check my speed. And I was going the speed limit because I'm, I'm 56 years old. Okay, I got all that stuff out of me when, when I was, I don't know how old. Probably all the way up to 40 at least, you know. I mean, anyway, my dad was a drag, drag racer. I mean, I, you know, it's in me. Anyway, and so, so anyway, he's, he leans over, he's looking. And he said, you know, Todd is relentless when he rides with people. He'll say, man, dude, you're speeding. I'm only 10 over. And he said, you're speeding. He said, and then Todd would say, Holy Spirit, hang on. I know you're not in the car anymore, but please don't let go. (laughs) Okay, sorry. All right, John 14, turn over to verse 26. Let's look at verse 26. He continues to talk about the Holy Spirit. And he says in verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, who's the helper? 
the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. The Holy Spirit becomes our teacher. When you are born again and when God, Jesus breathed into his disciples and he said, receive the Holy Spirit, at that moment they were born again. When you are born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you and he becomes your teacher. He wants to teach you the word of God. He wants to teach you how to live for Jesus. Now, in, in a, I, w- I was listening to um, the, uh, Dean Becker, who's the, who's the dean of Regent University, and, and he was in a panel discussion. I shared this podcast with Gary and a couple of others. Um, but he made this comment, and I thought it was so interesting. He said, in a etiological sense, the word discipline comes from the word disciple. He said, it is impossible to be a disciple and not be disciplined. He said that that word disciple is very difficult to translate in the Greek and the Hebrew. And so he said this, he said, he said uh, the best definition I've come upon for the word disciple is someone who spends time with, the, with a master to listen, to hear, to watch, to observe, and to be transformed in order to become like him. John 16, go over to John 16. Who else is the Holy Spirit? We're gonna look at verse 13. It says, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Listen to this, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. That, that's another thing that right there that's revealing that the three work independently but yet together. Because otherwise he would know everything. But he's not speaking on his own authority. But he's speaking whatever he hears, he speaks. And he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and he will declare it to you. So he's our guide. He's the one that guides us through this new life, through this new birth that we have in Jesus. So he's our guide, and he will only speak what he hears from me, Jesus said. So I, I remember uh, Keith Moore sharing the, the uh, testimony of how he was crying out to God for at least a couple of weeks that he said, God, I want to hear your voice. God, I want to hear your voice. Speak to my heart. Speak to me. I want to hear your voice. And he said, after a couple of weeks, finally the Holy Spirit, or however long it was, the Holy Spirit finally spoke to him and said, said, listen, I've already spoken to you. I've already spoken to you here. He said, if I want to say something additional, I will. He said, but read this first. And I think I, 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 what I love about the word of God is that it helps me become so familiar with his voice that when I hear him, I know him because I know how he talks. I know how he speaks. And I can line it up to this. This is the filter that I run it all through. But we're not preaching about prophecy. We're preaching about the Holy Spirit. All right. All right. So, so he will not speak of his own, but he will, well, he will speak what he hears from me. He will tell you things to come. Wouldn't you like to have a heads up about what's coming? 
before you invest, wouldn't you kind of like to know, <laughs> Holy Spirit, which way are you, you know, I, I'm not saying we work this deal, okay, he's not a, I don't even know what you call those, but you know, we're not supposed to be pimping Jesus, okay, we're, <laughs> but, but he will guide us, he will give you a heads up, let me tell you, I've had heads up where we, we were, we made, okay, I made a bad decision, I'm going to just lay it out before you, I made a bad decision, we moved to Dallas, Texas. We weren't supposed to be there. We made a money-led decision. And it wasn't even a good money decision because you go to Dallas, everything is more expensive. So it was like I didn't even get a raise. I mean, it just, it looked like a lot of money until we got there. And then it wasn't. It was like, oh. And uh, anyway, and so we were there and we were out of God's will. And I remember we moved there on, was it Memorial Day? We moved there on Memorial Day. And the Lord speaks to me about a month before Memorial Day the next year. He says, pack your bags. You guys are leaving. I said, okay, Lord, well, tell me where we're going, please. And I remember that we, when we left, the day that we left, a week or two later, I got a phone call and something had happened. We went down there to work at a church and we were in this church and we, when we left, behind us, the whole thing fell apart two weeks later. We wouldn't have had a job two weeks later. Oh, so glad that the Holy Spirit gave me a heads up, amen? Even though I was not in the will of God. See, that's the mercy of God. He loves you. He loves you so, so much. And I'm so thankful. And then we went and got in his will. So, okay. All right, uh, John 16, look at verse seven. He goes on to talk more about the Holy Spirit. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. The helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. So this is what I was talking about, that even though the Holy Spirit was there at creation, he was there long before creation, how he's coming now is in a different role. Now he is coming to live not just above you, not just with you like God did. See, the children of Israel wouldn't come up the mountain to him, so he found a way that he could come down the mountain and he could live in the camp, in a tabernacle. And then we talked last week about David building the temple, about how he provided everything to build the temple. He didn't build the temple, but he provided everything. It was in his heart. He wanted to build a resting place for God. But God said, I no longer want to, I no longer want to live in buildings. I no longer want to live in cedar houses and in structures, but this is where I want to live. I want my head to rest on the body of Christ. <laughs> yeah, he wants to live inside you, in you. Oh, he longs, to, he longs for that fellowship. It's, man, he's the one that we commune with. He's the one that we have fellowship with. He's the one that we talk to on a regular basis. That's why he's, that's a part of the reason he's here, so that we can have communion with him and fellowship on a regular basis, man. So it goes on to say, how far did I read? Advantage, did I go away? If I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, everybody say, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. I think it's interesting. I always thought conviction was just of sin. But he's convicting of righteousness and judgment as well. You don't have to turn there, but what else is he? He's, he, so he's the one, he's the one responsible, responsible to bring conviction. 
not you. Yeah, not you, you know. Um, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine on Thursday, and he was telling me he wanted prayer because he said, pray for me, I'm, uh, I'm going to witness to my son on Sunday, on Christmas. And I said, okay. and uh, so, you know, prayed for him. Interesting thing happened. He, uh, <clears throat> they were working on something electrical. So they had, you know, the, so they had an electrician that was coming out because they didn't know how to fix it. So the electrician came out. This guy had to leave. The father had to leave. And the son was there with the electrician. Well, he didn't know it, but the, the spirit of God was on the inside of that electrician. And so the electrician started witnessing to him. And when his father came back, he was born again, and he had a Bible. He was standing there with a Bible. The electrician had kept Bibles in his, in his truck, gave him the Bible. <laughs> it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit, not the conviction of thus saith Phil, <laughs> thus saith Joe, Gary, you. you know, it was thus saith the Lord. All right. Yeah. And that flows with what we were talking about last week, that sometimes it's not us that God wants to communicate it, but it's, he's got somebody else prepared for them to hear from, that they will hear from. Maybe you're believing from a child that's a wayward child. Believe God for the right laborer to come across their path. Someone that will hear, that will receive from them, that the Holy Spirit is able to bring that conviction into their heart. We are, we are continuing to pray for that. That's something that's on my prayer list on a regular basis is kids that are wayward, that are away from God. Because I don't only pray for yours, I pray for, for um, I don't want to tell you who, but family members that I have, that I'm looking for them to come back. You know, you, might, you can't run from God, you might as well give up. I mean, where are you going to go hide from God? <clears throat> okay, <clears throat> sorry. John, uh, Romans, you don't have to turn there, but Romans 8 verse 16. The Holy Spirit is your witness. It says that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How do you know that you are saved without the Holy Spirit? How do you know? How do you know that you are born again? It's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that bears witness of that. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. He dwells in us. How? We're, we have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, 10. He's the revealer. I love this. It says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. He knows. He's the giver of spiritual gifts. We're gonna talk about tongues eventually, but tongues is a spiritual gift. He gives all these different gifts. He's the one that gives those. And it says that he distributes each of them individually as he wills. Romans 8, verse 26. <clears throat> this is one of my favorite too. He's our intercessor. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through word, wordless groanings. And I, I love that. I love the fact that when I don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit helps me pray. This is, an, this is, this is where this personal part of, of tongues is really powerful. 
because I pray in tongues, but I don't pray in tongues in front of you. I pray in tongues in private. I may, if, if, I may ask you to pray in the Holy Spirit in your heavenly language for a few moments, but, it, but it's not because we're talking to each other. It's because we're, when we're praying, we're praying the perfect will of God. And he prays with groanings, wordless groanings, it says. And so here's the good news is when I don't know how to pray, I pray in tongues because scripture says that when I pray in tongues, I'm praying the perfect will of God. What better prayer could you pray than the perfect will of God? I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. That's, that's amazing. And so I would begin to pray in the Holy Spirit this morning. It happened to me. I was thinking about someone in particular and I began to pray in the Holy Spirit. And I said, Holy Spirit, show me how to pray for them. And as he gave me words as I was praying in tongues, I would say those. But then I'd go back to tongues because I didn't know what else to pray until I felt a release. So that's just a real practical one-on-one um, tongues 101 there for a moment, but he's our intercessor. And it says in verse 27 that he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God, for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And then the last one, Rebecca, would you come help? Thanks. Romans 8, verse 10. Let's turn over there and let's, let's see this last one here. Romans 8. Verse 10 and 11. I'm going to read it to you out of the NIV. It says, but if Christ is in you, then even though, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And I'm going to read chapter, verse 11 out of the New King James. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Oh, did you, did you hear that? He will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The point to this one is that the Holy Spirit is the sanctifier. He's the sanctifier. Some people would say, well, why do I need to deny myself, take up my cross and follow him? I've already died with him. No, your, 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 dead, your old man died with him. But our flesh and your spirit was saved immediately. Oh, that's the blessing of salvation is that your spirit came to life. And so if something happens, you step into eternity, you be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It doesn't get any better than that, right? But there's still sanctification. We have this flesh that we contend with and the flesh has to die. That's why he said, take up your cross and daily follow me because sometimes I'm going down the road and sometimes God wants me to minister to somebody and I'm busy. I got somewhere I'm headed. And this is a moment where I've found that most times that God wants me to minister to somebody, it's inconvenient. I think it's on purpose because he wants my flesh to die. <laughs> this is an opportunity for me to die to myself, die to what I want to do, and go and love on a person that needs loved on. Mm, man, it's, I, 
I was shaking my head on Thursday because I really felt like God wanted me to go to this meeting. And I don't know why I'm at the meeting. I don't know why I'm there. I don't know why God wants me to go. But all I know is that in my heart, I feel prompted to go to this meeting. And then I'm at the meeting and then God opens up three different opportunities to be able to minister to men, be able to minister and and pray for them. And if I hadn't been there, who would have prayed for them? And as I'm driving there, it was inconvenient. But then, and then I missed the place. I was driving by, I missed the place, had to turn around. And as I'm turning around, I pull into a storage unit and I look in there and I see a friend of mine in the storage unit. Well, not, not my friend, actually. I see his truck and I see one of his employees. And so I yell back there to see if he's in there. And he said, no, I'm not there. Uh, well, I'm sorry, he didn't say that. <laughs> There's so much happening up here right now. It's crazy, okay. And uh, no, so I saw him and I just, and, I, and so I said, hey, where's so-and-so? And he said, well, he's not here. He said, I've got his van. He said, but you can give him a call. So I called him. Well, little did I know he needed me to call him. And he had some things going on. And, and I was just like, God, you know where to put me. And what I think is an inconvenience is really an opportunity for me to die to self and to say, God, maybe this happened for a reason. Maybe I'm being inconvenienced for a reason. Maybe we stayed and we're stuck in that airport on the tarmac and couldn't go anywhere, couldn't get off the plane, couldn't get in the air. And we're sitting there for an hour because God wanted to delay my trip and put me on another plane. So by the time I arrived at the next airport, I would happen to see a family member that I hadn't seen for a while. (laughs) But am I willing to let my flesh die so that I can be led by the Spirit of God. See, well, sometimes, oftentimes, oftentimes, I'm going to say oftentimes, what I consider an inconvenience is really the Holy Spirit opening up an opportunity for me to minister to someone, to love on someone. Oh, and sometimes that someone might be your spouse. Because the way we treat our spouse greatly affects our relationship with God. You can know all the scripture in the world, but if you don't love your spouse, I'm telling you, you're gonna be in a world of mess. And uh, you are. And I wasn't even gonna go there, but I just, I'm like, to say that you don't have to take up your cross and die to certain things is, is not true. Just because you have the spirit and just because your, your, your spirit, your old flesh died, that doesn't mean that you're completely cleaned up and everything is swept clean. Everything, it is, I'm sorry, everything is swept clean, but you've still got your flesh. Your flesh is, is, needs to be sanctified. Okay, did I, is that still hazier? I'm trying to do my best on that. All right, glory to God. I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads all around the room? Zach, would you go ahead and come, you guys? Thank you, Father.